and welcome to Smile Diaries. I'm Dr. Gita Harb. I'm so excited to have this beautiful, inside and out, lovely woman. Her name is Lacey Nicole. She's a philanthropist and mental health advocate. She's big on PTSD and she is the host of Shame to Sparkle podcast and just started her own foundation as well called Shame to Sparkle. So welcome, Lacey. How are you today? Hello. I am doing well. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming down and sitting down with me to chat. I'm so excited. Yeah. So we had a little talk over the phone. Was it yesterday or the day before? I have no idea. I, I think it was, yeah. <laughs> I was working and probably covered in blood and saliva. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, I know it was meant to be a 15-minute conversation, and we ended up talking for a good hour. Oh, I could talk to you all day. I, but I told you I could talk to a brick wall <laughs> and strangers. And when I'm actually talking to somebody where I'm feeling connection, I will talk their ear off. I love that, yeah. And we, we did talk forever, and I totally felt connected with you. And we have so much similarities. Mm -hmm. So, um, But I felt bad because, you know, your daughter was crying, and I had to hang up the phone at some point and yeah, be like, I got to let you go. <laughs> so... Um, but thanks for being here, Lacey. No, thank um, you for having me. And I wanted to have you on because I, I see what you're doing um, and you're bringing such big awareness to mental health and PTSD. And as soon as I saw that, um, I was like, I have to have her on because um, I've gone personally through so much. You know, I, as I told you over the phone growing up in the war as a child and for years and years and you know, I have so much PTSD and I still do. And I think that's something that you can't really ever get rid of. Um, it gets better, but it's something that stays with you forever. So when I see all these, you know, awareness that you bring into mental health, I really wanted to have you on and really discuss that. Um, and I know you've had your own journey. You've gone through so much um, from what you're telling me. You were a victim of a crime. And so tell me a little bit about how this all came along. So... Thank you for that beautiful introduction. Oh, you're welcome. Way. I think you called me pretty, so you know you're my favorite person. <laughs> well, you are. You're gorgeous. <laughs> I, just, I hope I'm, you know that. <laughs> I'm kidding, but um, yeah. So I basically was a victim of a horrific crime, but prior to that, I had a very um, tumultuous upbringing, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. I grew up here in Orange County, which in itself is a privilege, but I grew up in a household full of chaos and addiction and just the premise and basis of our bottom line of existence was learning to lie, you know, to save face. And I think that's a confusing atmosphere for a young child because I always use the word privilege because I never want to make people think that's not something I'm very well aware of. You know, we could have our lights on and we had monetary privilege, but simple things from a very early age were robbed of me. I use the example like going to the dentist. That's not something that was available to me because my mom had an issue with addiction and so many years had passed where she was like, you mm -hmm. cannot go there. Like they're gonna call CPS. So I remember wow. being like, I'm different or feeling inherently different. And I never really had a parent or an advocate or someone to pick me up. I just kind of learned from a young age, like you save face and you put on a happy face and you lie and I just, remember lying like I missed so much school I was afraid to go to school because you know the police would be at our house the night before and I remember just lying and being like oh we were on vacation or we you know some flamboyant story from a seven-year-old who knows but um I think that became my bottom line of just how humans work right like 
I never very much so felt connected to humans or to myself because how could you feel connected to mm -hmm. yourself if you're raised on the premise of, you know, being untrue to others. But as I was older, I kept experiencing trauma and it really is a domino effect of, and of course, again, with monetary advances, it's not at all as bad as some people see it when we use the term childhood trauma, it's such an umbrella. And I never want to say I had the worst experience, of course, but it was a harrowing experience. And then another bad experience would happen and another. So ultimately I was a victim of a horrific crime and I had to go through the court system and mm -hmm. testify. And following that, I was still dishonest because it was my, you know, my program. We all have a program embedded in our brains. So mine was you save face, you don't tell anyone you have a problem, you don't like ruffle feathers. And I think even at the time my boyfriend didn't know I was like testifying and I was on like my fifth reconstructive wow. surgery from being hurt. And I was just like, no, I can't hang out. Like I lived in this bubble of a facade and it, I trust me, it wasn't to be like dishonest or to try and never to skirt people away from the truth to seem like yeah. something I'm not just that's was my program. And so following that, I was so unwell, I was so sick, and I was diagnosed with seven autoimmune diseases. And at the time, again, I was like, oh, another trauma. Like, it's me, I'm, you know, like the mm -hmm. Taylor Swift song. I was like, I'm the problem. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna live right. and die with all these problems. And I was on 22 medications, and I just, like, I don't know, I hit a wall where I was like, I don't really identify with this. Like, I don't identify with being unwell. I don't, I'm very healthy. What the hell is going on? And so I started um, in COVID, prior to COVID, I started mm -hmm. speaking on victim advocate panels through our court system because they had reached out a few times. And I had always gone in because I'm really annoying when I do something, I have to, like, befriend everyone there mm -hmm. and <laughs> feel like we're, like, going to have Christmas together or something. Probably I from my that. childhood <laughs> trauma. I'm, like, dying, you know, for connection. Yeah. And they were like, you know, you're really articulate when you explain crime and this, would you want to talk to these people? And I was like, yeah, totally. And I was expecting to show up to this like huge event and like win everyone over. Mm -hmm. And when I went, it was the complete opposite, right? Because I'm going to somewhere where people have been victim of crime and they don't have the privilege of going to a therapist or they don't have the mm -hmm. opportunity to go do EMDR and brain camp and all these crazy things. And so um, in COVID, it was shut down. So I started the podcast just like, as a fluke of like, I'll just talk here. And if people listen, like it's to bring more awareness, totally. And, um, yeah, it kind of spiraled from there into foundation. I really think that when the universe keeps giving you something and presenting you a problem, it's your journey. I have to mm -hmm. look at it that way. So I think like my journey is trauma and yeah, I think it's my journey to help people because if not, I would just be sitting in a lot of self-loathing or, you know, feeling mm -hmm. bad about myself. So, yeah. I think that's great that you are using, you know, your experiences, although they were bad experiences, to bring awareness and to help other people. And I think that's incredible. Um, and so tell us a little bit about, you know, I, I know you suffer from PTSD, obviously, and... Um, and as a result, you've had all these autoimmune diseases. And, and tell us a little bit about how, how did that come about that you kind of, you really dug deep and you did a lot of research, right, into, you know, yes. your autoimmune diseases that you had and how to cure them and, you know, took a course as well. I did take so, a course. So, <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> So yeah, I don't know, again, correlation doesn't always equal cause. I cannot mm -hmm. say my trauma 
caused me to have seven autoimmune diseases at 26. It's lifestyle, it's genetic, um, diet, inflammation. But with that, I will say every single study done correlating autoimmune diseases to women because women are the slate for autoimmune diseases. I think it's like 53 million. I don't want to get the number wrong. 53 million Americans have autoimmune diseases and of that are 80% of them are women. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you're dealing and you're looking at numbers like this, if 80% of women, and this is people, again, who have the ability to go out and get diagnosed, it's very hard to get diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. So anytime I even read one of these statistics, same as endometriosis, it takes 10 years to get diagnosed. It's not like all people are necessarily out there pushing for this Mm -hmm. answer. So I always say the number must be staggeringly more. Probably way more. Um, Yeah. But when it comes to autoimmune disease, I was diagnosed with seven. <laughs> and wow. um, yeah, rheumatoid arthritis, Hashimoto's, systemic lupus, um, Strogan's, which I still don't really understand even to be mm-hmm. honest, because I had like dry eyes. I have them all in here. <laughs> I carry around my, <laughs> and, and my labs. You're the first um, guest that brought a little binder and I can see you're so organized and I love that. I'm so. very OCD Virgo. I'm I love actually, it. Yes. Um, but I took it at base value mm-hmm. and I was like, well, okay, I'm sick. And a disease, an autoimmune disease is classified as something that you have for life. But if you really look into disease and then, you know, the wherewithal behind it, a disease is simply defined as something that doesn't have a medication available to cure it. Correct. So you can put a disease into remission and you don't have that disease. I just, you can't say technically it's cured. But for me, all seven of my autoimmune diseases are in remission like they don't show up on panels now but it all came to be because I started just questioning you know not in a con- this was before COVID so mm-hmm. it wasn't like crazy conspiracy <laughs> I'm not in a conspiracy but I did start questioning like why are you guys prescribing me this and now I have mm-hmm. to take this and why why did this happen and most of all why did this happen and they're like well a lot of women get autoimmune diseases and I'm like but I'm like 26 at the time like why right. do I have Seven of seven. Them. That's a lot. It's a lot of at twenty six to have seven. Yeah. Out. I mean, one is one thing, but to totally. have seven is well. And once crazy. you have one, it's kind of like you're setting yourself up for more. And right. I just remember again, I was in the program of you don't tell people any problem. Mm-hmm. And so I remember being at like events, and I couldn't hold like a hairbrush. My hands were so inflamed from like RA, and all of the women there, which like nobody's meaning harm but if you're in trauma you're gonna take everything everyone says like very personally and they were like just wait till you're my age wait till you know wait till your body and I'm like oh my gosh I hate everyone here like (laughs) this is gonna get worse and it's like word vomit you know where you're Mm -hmm. just resenting so I just started really working hard into researching why like what's the why first of all um where's the correlation with trauma where's the correlation with what I'm eating or what I'm doing and it was like a lot of trial and error and a lot yeah. of you know time and I did every weird like crazy thing under the sun. I cut out my implants, which I know is a trend now doing explant surgery. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for me, all of these crazy things work. I can't say it would work necessarily for mm-hmm. you if you're a listener, but I know for me what I did worked and I talk to a lot of women where they do, you know, similar protocols and it works for them. So I think it's really being intuitive with yeah with your own healing journey. Yeah. And how long did you have your implants and and how did you feel any 
did you feel bad right after they went in or I mean, what was it's that hard journey? to say if I felt bad right after I think my doctor asked me that and I initially mm-hmm. was like oh yeah totally but then mm-hmm. it's like I don't know I think I felt bad for like 30 years so yeah I had them in for five years mm-hmm. oh my gosh and I miss them so much oh <laughs> I love fake boobs <laughs> like I think they're so beautiful oh <laughs> like not in a weird way no they are they're, so I mean, I'm you know, like and we're in Orange County is there oh anybody gosh, that like does not have fake boobs in Orange <laughs> County it'll be a, me it, well <laughs> well you had them and you removed it but everybody else has fake boobs I mean it's a thing to do totally OC and you know and you know I just I would rather say I tried everything right and again I don't know if this is the cause for things. Yeah. I, th- I don't believe it's everybody. I know BII, breast implant illness, is a huge trend right now. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it's everyone gets sick from their implants. I think it's like anything. And I always say we're not one size fits all. And that's so important. That's why you need right. to know how to advocate for yourself. Because some people are given a medication and they last for 30 mm-hmm. years. And the next person feels crazy and ends up harming themselves. Some people get implants. Some people get pierce things and they can't it's just yeah we're all different everybody's different i mean everyone reacts to everything differently it's Completely. like hair color right i might put the same hair color on me might look different orange on you or vice versa right so i feel like our bodies react differently with medication with with anything with food i'm sure there are certain foods that you might eat that you might be okay with but if i eat them they may bother me totally. so um so definitely yeah i mean it's just it, it's body by body and it's person by person um but how did you mostly cure it did you did you was it mostly by diet did you change your diet completely or did you i mean i never had like a terrible diet mm-hmm. i am very strict with my diet i think diet plays a huge role unfortunately we're in a society where we're un- inherently unwell yeah um the food even at healthy restaurants like no shade mm-hmm. is really bad for mm-hmm. you i have like lists on my phone i was just joking with you about um the like, french fries <laughs> <laughs> no and that's the thing i think people yeah. mistake like you cannot eat pasta or fries and yeah. you need to go eat a salmon bowl from Greenleaf or something but it's like if they're cooking the salmon in seed oil it's you're better off to go get a fresh pasta from the place that's just using fresh flour and olive oil. Yeah. And it's really not what you are eating. It's the ingredients Mm -hmm. that they are putting in the food that you're eating. Completely. Right. A salmon, two salmons could be just as good, but it depends on how you're cooking that salmon as opposed to, right. Um, And so people don't realize that they just think it's a salmon. It's healthy. Yeah. And And it's like a hard climate, mm -hmm. right? Because Mm -hmm. nobody wants to be shamed for their diet or their inability to maybe, have certain resources. So I think even when I talk about things like this, I always want to know, like, you don't have to be in this upper echelon to just get Mm -hmm. real ingredients. And it, I mean, it should be more readily available everywhere. And it's, it's unfortunate. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. That's the world we live in though. Right. So (laughs) unfortunately. Um, and so tell me a little bit, I want to talk in a little bit more detail about, I know you suffered from infertility as well mm-hmm. and endometriosis and you you talk a, a lot about that and we, we discussed that over the phone as well. So tell us about that journey and um, and I know it took them a long time to diagnose you with that and there's a lot of women that are going through that. I, I had a friend who was going through that and for years and years nobody had an idea. I mean none of our group had an idea because nobody wanted to discuss it. She never discussed it. And I think she was kind of, you know, 
and shame about it. Um, and so, to, you know, I want to kind of dig deep a little bit into that and really get some more information because I know there's going to be a lot of women out there that are listening and that might help them as well. So totally. I always joke, um, it goes in my backpack because mm-hmm. I always make the reference to your scoreboard of shame or your backpack. But um, yeah, endo is a super common reproductive disease. It's, I mean, again, the estimate is one in 10 women. I would just like which is pretty that. high but it's it's so much more i'm it's sure so it's higher hard. but even one in ten is yeah it's a lot. so hard to diagnose yeah. um yeah because diagnosis is a surgery it's an excision surgery mm-hmm. and it is crippling it's debilitating it's another example of really you know society kind mm-hmm. of gaslighting women that their pain isn't real or their experience isn't real um, I, I want to talk before you continue about what are the symptoms of endo- endometriosis what were you feeling or what did you feel there at the time? There are so many symptoms. It varies by person. And mm-hmm. and your endometriosis lining, when you have endo, it can go anywhere. It can be on your lungs. You could mm-hmm. have issues with your lungs, with your breathing. It can be on your, like, it can be uh, GI issues. It can be mm-hmm. bowel issues. It can be constipation. It can be heavy periods. It can be light periods, but they're not normal. It could be, you know, cramping. Like so many women are always saying like, oh my gosh, my cramps, I haven't gotten out of bed. Like that's not normal. Um, it's not normal to have debilitating period cramps where you can't get out of bed. It's not normal to like mm-hmm. be bleeding where like, sorry, TMI, if there's like, no, no okay. but none of this is normal. Right. And we've normalized it as a society. Cause first of all, you don't want to talk about your cramps. So that was, I understand. Um, you know, it's private. Well, you know, we should be able to talk about our cramps. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to have a, a full episode about that one of these days. I'll bring you on. But no, it's just, it's another, you know, yeah. anomaly of like, right. if you talk to someone, you're kind of gaslit. Like yeah. I know my OB at the time I'd seen here in, in Newport Beach for years. And mm-hmm. again, I I told you this, like I always use the word privilege because this is from my scope where I'm right. paying someone a lot of money yeah. and I have the privilege of health insurance out of pocket and the privilege of an area where I'm not going to a clinic. And I fought with them for six years. And I told them for six years, I have endometriosis. Can you put it on my chart? I know I have endometriosis because I'm in bed for a week, like vomiting. Mm -hmm. Something's wrong with me. I lose a week every month. Wow. And they're like, well, no, you don't have a history. You probably have this. And then, you you know, we'll put you on birth control. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll take the birth control, but I'm still the birth control makes me mm-hmm. crazy. So birth control is not a cure for endometriosis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is, you're masking something and it's actually giving you more long-term issue. Mm-hmm. I did that for years, but. Um, well, I, we're a very pill happy country. Can I just know, say of that? Of course, of um, course. You know, there's, every time you go to the doctor, they just, and I'm, I'm anti-medication, anti-pills. Cause I, you know, we, I grew up back home where everything's homeopathic <laughs> and you know, my totally. mom would boil this to make us feel better and give us that. And, um, but I feel like when you go to the doctor here, it's just like, here you go, here's a pill, here's a pill. And then there's a side effect from that pill. And then you have to take a pill to cover that side effect. And so Completely. nobody really digs deep. Everybody just wants to put a bandaid on things and not really dig deep into what the problem is. And let's just go in and solve it. Totally. And even that it's like, it's a hard conversation for me when it comes to pills and medication, because I have a very thorough belief of, mm-hmm. you know, if you have cancer and you need to be doing, you know, like an arsenic based chemo, for example, of course. of course. Yeah. I also think when you are at wit's end and you've been sick for so long and I've been there and that's why I kind of empathize and somebody tells you, you know, don't take that pill, even in like the endo community. Mm-hmm. I used to speak on their panels too. I just love talking. 
<laughs> to everyone. But it's very triggering to have like someone like me, like bobbly head, go up there and be like, don't take these pills because you're like, screw you. This is my right. remedy. But it really isn't the answer for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So, And it's hard to decondition yourself. And like even now as a mom with simple things, like making those decisions, like it's hard because you see the pushback from other people. And I never want to trigger anyone else with my beliefs. I just know when it comes to reproductive health, like masking something, it's not science. It's not scientifically Mm -hmm. proven. So I'm not anti-science. I'm pro delegating what's going to be best for your body to save your fertility. We are in a fertility crisis. Um, and there's reasoning behind it. And I think when you're already in pain and triggered and longing to just be heard, mm-hmm. hearing someone say that might not be right. And, and I, haven't, I have not looked up the statistics of infertility, but I'm, I'm imagining it's going up. Oh, correct? it's like harrowing. And same with males, you know, like projected sperm count by 2050 is zero. Like wow. it's a Googleable thing. It's not, I'm not pulling it from the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, if you're a guy, you should be worried about your sperm count being zero. And if not yourself, your children, because we are in a society, again, that's conditioned to kind of be unwell and on, like ask these questions. But even with IVF, like I did IVF, I failed it so many times, but everyone I know now, not everyone, but so many people I know mm-hmm. are just like, oh yeah, I'm infertile. I'm just going to do IVF. It's like, that's not normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not normal to need IVF. It's are normal but it's not normal right in third world countries it's it's not normal to need Mm -hmm. this it's not normal that we are more unwell than places with no medical care no within reason i'm talking fertility right now of course if you have stage four cancer you're going to be better off here than of course in a remote village but i'm just saying with fertility yeah. It's not normal. Well, it's just, I think it's just the things that we put in our bodies too and the food that we're eating and the environment and a little bit of everything, right? Yeah. The air we're breathing and all of that combined. So It's so like multifaceted too where there's not a one size answer for anyone when it comes to autoimmune issues or mm-hmm. endometriosis. But for me, I mean, the endo like hit me hard. That was like my come to Jesus moment where I was like, I'm going to work my butt off to heal this is BS, you know, I had failed IVF. They were like, you have zero follicles. They cut out my ovary. I had every surgery. And I was like, this is like BS. Like Mm -hmm. I can get pregnant. Anyone can get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case. So, but I ultimately did get pregnant without IVF. So, so you got pregnant naturally. Mm -hmm. There you have it. So that's crazy. Yeah. And, and how symptoms of endometriosis for you now, are they better? Have you felt much better or um they're better for me I have definitely like moments of pain but I mean compared to before it's immensely better yeah and a lot of it is lifestyle changes but Mm -hmm. again what works for me might not work for you and I know there's like everyone always jokes in the endo community it's like Mm -hmm. the whole world (laughs) it's like a very like you know it's a community because yeah you're in pain you want to have some a community to commiserate and to also learn but they get so mad when people are like, well, have you tried yoga? And so I never want to say that. But seriously, if you are struggling with your health, you should try yoga. And you mm-hmm. should, I hope like you don't get hate comments for that. But you should try, you know, to calm your mind, to meditate, mindfulness, you know, creating new neuropathways that are different. Because we are on autopilot when it comes to our mind, which is directly connected to our body. Right, right. And so... 
Well, stress is the cause of, of so many diseases. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, heart disease, high yeah. blood pressure, uh, diabetes, you know, so it's the same thing. I mean, endometriosis is also related to stress and what our bodies go through and, you know, yeah our mental health is so related to our physical health, right? It's all related, mind-body connection. and So you could be the healthiest person in the world, but you know, even for me, I mean, I eat healthy, I work out seven days a week, but if I stress a little bit, and of course I have a lot of stress in my life, Everybody, who, who doesn't, right? Um, but when I stress, I, you know, I start to get like, my heart starts to palpitate, right? And yeah. you know, I ended up at the cardiologist one day and super young and, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with me. He's like, it's just, he's like, are you taking your lunch and relaxing a little bit and going out and like seeing the sun during the week? And I go, lunch, what, what are you talking about? I'm like working on my patients all day long. And so I realized right there and then when I was hooked up to every machine there was at the cardiologist that you know, this is all stress-related. It's anxiety. It's stress. It's everything that our body just mentally drives our body physically. So, although I was eating right, I was working out, I was doing all the right things. But you know, it, yeah. it does affect you and affects all well, your and organs. I don't think you can necessarily yoga or eat your way right out of things that mm-hmm. are ca- causing you mm-hmm. chronic, you know, mm-hmm. like stress-related to PTSD, CPTSD. That's right. why. Uh, I always quote like my favorite book, The Body Keeps the Score. But if mm-hmm. you're in a constant state of hypervigilance and fight or flight, you're probably not going to be able to feel well or, you know. Right, yeah, yeah. Feel your way out of it. Totally, yeah, I agree. Um, and so let's talk a little bit in detail about, you know, you know you've know, gone through so much and you do have PTSD and, um, and you're such a big advocate on that. So let's discuss PTSD a little bit. <laughs> so tell me, what are you doing in your you know, foundation right now to help out people that have gone through so much, and especially women um, that have gone through so much in their lives? And I want to hear a little bit more about that. Totally. Um, so I'm like all over the place, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I want to normalize First of all, advocacy and knowledge surrounding PTSD, because I think most people would correlate PTSD to you think of, you know, a veteran right. in war mm-hmm. or, you know, a victim of a horrific, you know, shooting or something. Right. But PTSD is so much more um, hard off into other realms and see PTSD, which is really what I have and what I would probably say you have. Again, mm-hmm. I'm not your doctor, but complex mm-hmm. PTSD mm-hmm is what affects most women and i would say like one in three women have this the statistics are number are lower i'm always like a statistics person when i'm joking about <laughs> i love that well i like to we know doctors like, like statistics so i like to know the it. why behind it like yeah but complex ptsd is any prolonged experience with being treated unfair unwell feeling feeling unsafe so mm-hmm. I think women don't comprehend. I, I say women because I only speak mostly to women, not because I keep trying to, you know, right. discredit. And that's fine. If mm-hmm. you're a veteran and you're a man, and of course, PTSD right. is horrific. I have PTSD from my incident, but my CPTSD from being abused for the first mm-hmm. years of my life is much worse. Feeling unsafe, not knowing, you know, going through a divorce can cause this. If you're constantly in fight or flight every day because you have an abusive spouse or who's threatening money or children, and you're constantly waiting for that text, your brain is gonna change. And that's what complex PTSD is. It's not this joking thing where it's like, oh, I don't like you know movies with guns because I have PTSD. It's your amygdala and hippocampus are actually changing their chemistry, their size, 
to keep you safe from anything else mm -hmm. and it's changing how you actually perceive the world and that's a really tough position to be in because mm -hmm. if you're living in a state of fight or flight you're gonna again have all of these other issues because you're releasing cortisol 24 7 so you're not gonna lose weight Right. You're also going to have neuroinflammation. You're also going to have inflammation in your body, which again, you're going to feel like crap. You're going to have joint issues. You're going to develop arthritis. You're going to develop autoimmune disease. And they all go hand in hand. And I think it's hard to even know to go into a doctor when you start finally feeling the effects and being like, I think I have CPTSD and mm -hmm. that's causing all of this. What you're going to say is like, okay, I can't lose this 30 pounds and I starve myself. I don't mm -hmm. sleep at night. I have my hands hurt, my joints hurt, and my hair is falling out, and I have brain fog and memory loss. And by the time you're there, they're gonna probably do blood work and say your labs look normal, and then you're gonna be like, okay. What's going on? And so yeah. I just wanna normalize you know, discussion and advocacy for something that does affect so many of us, but it's not something we've really been taught, at least, again, in my, in my right. life experience. Everything is through our own perception, right? But if you have not been taught to like speak about certain things, mm -hmm. then you certainly don't know how to discuss or communicate them. I always joke, like if you're speaking to someone and they're talking in Italian and you've never taken an Italian lesson, you're not gonna know what the hell they're saying. Of so course. when it comes to your own body and advocating for yourself, like how could you possibly know how to do something or describe something if you don't even know what it is? Yeah. Um, so I always tell, you know, women I speak to, go and see a psychiatrist and talk about any prolonged exposure you had to feeling unsafe. Even if you were a young kid, for example, childhood trauma, it doesn't necessarily have to mean your parents beat you. Your parents could have been doing like the best they possibly could have, which so many people experience too. But like you still could have had to carry worries that weren't really fair. And you could have had to worry about your bills being paid or your lights being turned off. That's going to give you CPTSD. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you were abused. It's just right. not something that our little brains are qualified to take on and it doesn't mean you're weak to talk about these things i don't think you're a victim if you talk about mm -hmm. things that aren't so normalized in society i think it's a totally strong thing to be like yeah i had a lot of unpleasant experiences and now my brain's a little wired off like mm -hmm. that's me like i had so many unpleasant experiences where if you make a loud sound i'm mm -hmm. probably going to start to cry because my brain right. is still yeah. Even with all the work and, I do. And most people don't understand. I mean, we were talking about that over the phone. And I was telling you, um, when I came from Lebanon, any little, like a, a hard knock, or if someone shut the door, I would literally jump because of, you know, we, were, we grew up with so much bombs around us, like for 13 years. And so even to this day, if the kids in my house shut the door, like sometimes they're running around after each other and my daughter will just get in her bedroom <laughs> and she'll slam the door real hard so my son doesn't get in. I literally would jump, I, no matter where I am in the house, I would jump and it just, it brings back within 0.2 seconds all, like it's almost like this, sort of like a flashback, right? It brings back all these memories and, and your body just reacts to it. And I remember when um, I was going out with um, my husband, we were dating, and I think I told you this story, and he wanted, he wanted to hang out and see a movie, and I said, you know, it cannot be a war movie at, at all. It has to be something happy at night or something light. I have my brain, I, my brain cannot handle stress. Like it cannot ha handle sad things or, you know, crime and things like that. I, I'm just not wired that way anymore. Um, and he's like, oh, it's just saving Private Ryan. Like, it's not a big deal. You need to watch the movie. It's amazing. So I was like, you know what? Let me try it. And I did. And I watched it. And that night I was screaming. It was a nightmare after a nightmare after a nightmare after a nightmare. It was horrifying. 
And so now to this day, he knows like he gets in bed and it has to be if we watch, you know, I don't watch TV anymore. But when he puts something on, it has to be something super light, super happy, because that's how I, I, I need it to be <laughs> that way. And so it's all PTSD because it just brings everything back and it brings that, you know, fight or flight, you know, where of you course. just want to get up and you want to jump. And so loud noises bother me. Um, anything, you know, even fireworks. When I came here, Fourth of July was horrifying for me. I mean, I couldn't even listen to it. I would be, I'd stand outside and <laughs> like covering my ears. So it is terrible. So I understand what you're saying about the loud noise and totally. we're screaming in the house. I don't like screaming. It, I mean, you have to be calm. So no, and that's like a beautiful thing that you know that about yeah. yourself and you set those boundaries. Like if I was dating someone and much yeah. younger. I would have never set those boundaries. I would oh, have been I like, <laughs> no, I was of comfortable. Course. And then, you know, I would be like in shock for a few days. So yeah. it's a really like, that's a beautiful thing that you know that about yourself yeah. at such a young age. Cause I think you said you guys met so many years ago. Right. Right. No, definitely. I mean, I, I didn't want to like, you know, get up in the middle of the night and be screaming, but I did. <laughs> I ended up going, I ended up doing that. Um, and so what have you done personally, Lacey to, you know, work on your PTSD have is have you done any meditation have you done any um I know you were talking about like brain scans and things yeah. like that what have you personally done that has helped you so much that maybe our listeners can sort of get a little idea so um again I've done everything I'm like <laughs> guinea pig Lisa's I, like let me get my book out no, literally I've done everything um but I, I like to do the things most. too because I'm so brutally honest. I think mm -hmm. with my audience at least, which is not, you know, a huge audience, but I like to tell people when things don't work, not to be rude or cruel, but because I want to save someone else like the money and experience. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I kind of like learning about things. Yeah. But um, with PTSD, again, I'm going to rationalize it with what has really worked for yeah. me. CPTSD because right. again, like, PTSD doesn't have to be a lifelong thing, but for most people, unfortunately, mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. is. But I think, first of all, would be if, like, I'm just going to go for people. Sorry, yeah. I have to wire my brain into, like, categories. I'm going to try to specifically talk, sorry, men, to women. If you have CPTSD, if you don't even know, if you've been through any long-term abuse or situation where you felt unsafe, you probably do. If you have a short, like, mm -hmm. reaction and someone triggers you, you probably do. If someone else talks about like their experience mm -hmm. and you know you had a much worse experience and you're mm -hmm. like, what the F, I hate this person, you probably have CPTSD, which is totally a normal reaction because yeah. you feel like it's unjust. Um, anyways, then I would start looking into it. But as a result, really first and foremost, knowledge behind it. Like why is my body reacting like this and learning about your brain and how powerful it is and how... Um, deeply wired into our deep subconscious we are I think people say all these things always like the mind body connection and meditate and I'm like mm -hmm. the hell are you guys talking about mm -hmm. I can't meditate like mm -hmm. I can't even sit here like I'm so ADHD <laughs> on top of it where I'm like um yeah so but learning why your brain is reacting like if you know the why it's easier than just simply walking around with blinders on like so many parents like I have diagnosed ADHD mm -hmm. It's low dopamine. So many parents now have children with diagnosed low ADHD or ADHD on their children. And they're like, yeah, I don't know. We give them the meds. But I'm like, do you know why? Like, why is mm -hmm. their dopamine so low at eight? Like, why right. is it screen time? Is it this? Is it this? And like, so learning the why behind your CPTSD mm -hmm. will help you with your own personal healing journey. Because um, it's all related to our brain and 
you know, how long you were prolonged to exposure of abuse. Like for me, it was years. So what happens is your amygdala, which is like um, the part of your brain, it's like the little walnut in your brain that tells you your like fight or flight response or your emotional regulation. So you can start to learn things that will help you with your amygdala and getting it back to where it should be. Mm -hmm. Because if you're living in fight or flight, again, everything mm -hmm. else is going to mm -hmm. go amiss. Your cortisol, all the things I talked about before. I won't spiral off again, I promise. <laughs> um, but for me, I've done everything. I've done EMDR. I've done cognitive therapy. I did, I went to something called brain camp, which mm -hmm. was like not worth it. Mm -hmm. um, I did a brain scan and it actually showed me all the damage. And it, they literally looked me in the eye wow. at the Amen Clinic. And they were like, you have brain damage. And I was like, wow. this is amazing. Because like... Now I have an excuse. You have the answer now. Yeah, like it's like you know, if every day your leg hurts for ten years and, and you someone's don't know like, why. you look fine, and then they show you an X-ray and your bone is in half, you're like, yes, like yes. vindicated, right? Yeah. So, um, for me, I like it's very controversial still. Yeah. I think in the next few years it won't be. The ketamine healed, like changed my life. I won't say healed because I have things that spiral me and I don't want to ever lie to anyone. Like right. the other night, something triggered me. I was up till 5am like pacing yeah. because something scared me. And that's mm -hmm. unfortunately my mm -hmm. brain couldn't snap out of the loop, but the ketamine treatment for any type of neuroinflammation, I believe should be something we're using and modeling on veterans, on victims of abuse. It mm -hmm. is Again, this is my experience. Mm -hmm. um, and I was so afraid of going in and doing it. Like I was crying, yeah. like mm -hmm. dragging my feet. I did a whole podcast on it with uh, the doctor I see. And it is, again, it is a privilege. It's so expensive. I, it's not, um, it doesn't have FDA approval for the generic like okay. Johnson and Johnson. He was explaining it to me or more eloquently. Yeah. So I apologize no, if I okay. skew like the exact reasoning, but Johnson and Johnson has the patent for their version. And because of that, you have to pay out of pocket for the generic. Mm -hmm. So it's like $600, but I started doing the math of like, okay, I need six sessions of this, or I'm going to do therapy for the next 20 years. Like right. I, it's, it's, and again, I never want to like deter people by not saying the price because it is expensive, but mm -hmm. it truly like has worked. Mm -hmm. And there are case studies where they do it on, on people who have been through catastrophic crimes and they scan their brain before, during, and directly after. Mm -hmm. And you can actually see in the after, like all of these models of all of the things causing this type of inflammation and devastating people's lives, reducing and like instantaneously. It's one of the only therapies available that can have an 80 plus percent effect on depression, addiction, um, anxiety mm -hmm. and PTSD, which they're all correlated and, wow. and ADHD is correlated in there as well. And now I believe a lot of, you know, neurodivergent mm -hmm. issues on the spectrum, you know, with autism, Asperger's, but basically it's the only thing that has an instant result with no downtime or side effects. Cause you're not, you know, taking a pill every day where now you have a GI issue or now you mm -hmm. have, you know, like a rash or something, I, right. any side effect. But so when you say instant result, how how fast do you see? Well, it like instant, like instant coffee. Right. Um, wow, wow, okay. Yeah, and you have to do upkeep. Like again, it depends on your trauma and your case. Like mm -hmm. I do upkeep like once every three months. Now I go once. Okay. But I truly believe like it can be something to help society. But again, it's so off the wall. 
to hear someone walking around. I mean, like, go do ketamine. It's like yeah. a cat tranquilizer or something. Yeah. <laughs> but it changes your neurochemistry. And that's really the predisposition for all of this when we're talking. Yeah. Really anything wrong with us as far as, uh, you know, emotionally or it's our brain. Our brains are so powerful. They run us. Yeah. We don't even know. And it's, and I mean, it's also yeah. a beautiful thing. If you have the correct program, mm-hmm. then you're going to succeed and you're going to feel secure. But if you have even one piece wrong of that puzzle, like you're going to have a, a spiral of issues. So I'm really into the ketamine. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, I mean, you're here for advice. So <laughs> talk about it. What, whatever works for you. I think that's great. I know. Cause I'm we sure joke. I call it like bougie healing. Cause it's bu- like, you're going to do ketamine for the day. It's like healing, though. <laughs> um, and what else besides that has, has worked for you? So I know it's hard for you to meditate, right? You're saying it's really hard. And, and it's hard for me, too. This is something that I, I you know, I was telling one of my other guests a, a while back that I've been kicked out of yoga classes. I've been kicked out of, like, a lot of yeah, classes. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I can't. I'm, I'm just not the type of person who can just lay back and, you know, relax and all I can't, of that. So. I can't do any class without, like, I tell them now. I'm like, I'm going to walk out and check my phone and, like, pretend to go pee. <laughs> just, um, so what, for me, was that helps me a lot is high-intensity workouts, running. That really has changed my life a lot. So I, I don't know if yeah. that's something that you've tried, but for me, running has been therapy because I can tell when I don't work out, I have so much built-in energy inside of me. And I, I'm just like, <laughs> you know, I, I'm crazy. But when I, and it's not like, you know, people say, oh, we, we, we know we go to the gym and work. I'm talking like running, like, you know, You will never six, catch seven me miles. running. <laughs> You'll catch me running if I'm robbing a bank <laughs> and I'm on foot. I don't run. I don't yeah. do anything high intensity. See, I'm, I'm the opposite way. I need, I need the I high can, intensity. But but it's, but... I hate sweating. So. Oh, really? It's good. It's good for you. It's so good for you. Don't, again, I'm going to tell you if I'm wrong. I'm totally wrong in this because it's so good for your lymphatic system. You it should is. be sweating. The, the only problem is when sweating. you do Botox, it, it takes out the Botox too. So, oh, see like, another reason. See, that's another reason why you shouldn't run, Lacey. Because when I do Botox <laughs> and I go to my doctor and I'm like, it's just been a month and it's gone already. She's like, well, you run a lot, so it's you know, it's, you're sweating no, it out. No, I'm sure it's just so good for you. I just <laughs> but don't mentally, do any, it's good. It's I don't good. do any high intensity. Yeah. Well, you do Pilates, right? Because it's low. <laughs> it's low intensity. Um, and so, tell us a little bit about. Um, I want to talk more about your podcast a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about how often are you, are you shooting your podcast? I mean, I don't necessarily shoot it. I'm not this fancy. We do like a zoom and I'm in pajamas. Oh, I love that. Acne cream on my face. I feel like I need, that's going to be my (laughs) next (laughs) episode. No. And my manager is always like, you need to put them on YouTube and be more concise. So I, yeah, I started doing it again in COVID when I couldn't Mm -hmm. like talk to anyone. And I was like, I will talk to myself. Yeah. And and you're bringing on some pretty amazing guests. Yeah. I have some incredible guests. I just think it's for me, like it's, I've always said this, like I know there's so many podcasts and I always say with like my trauma, I know I'm not like reinventing the Mm -hmm. wheel. I just want to normalize that everyone has a story and everyone has like their crap and I love doing like a fun episode with one of my friends who's like mm-hmm. on TV but even then like they I asked- actually last night I went to walk my dog Kobe and I put on your episode um with the uh, ladies of London oh Caroline Caroline I love her by the way she's yeah 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 I think she's very funny she and is funny she's, she's a friend like a- so I could drag her on <laughs> yeah and she's um like she's high intensity you know she's 
she's one of those girls who just like go-getters in high intensity. Oh, and she's I, a go-getter. I always joke, like, oh, I'm yeah, a I crier, she's not. Yeah. But I love, I like, yeah. again, I love her mindset yeah. because it's, someone out there will need that. So mm-hmm. for me, like, the podcast is just a place to be sharing people's stories and things and like you don't have to agree or you know you can take it at face value like Mm -hmm. I love having my doctors on I cannot always like cajole them on because it's like my shame to spark a little podcast and they're like I'm a doctor like busy (laughs) but when I can I love those episodes like I love talking about my infertility and my experiences because not in like to be so narcissistic but to be like look you can also cure these things and like I want to show you because I'm proof you know it's yeah but again it's at face value because we're all different and we're not one size fits all and I like also normalizing that like terrible things happen and I made a speech recently at an event because I was talking on and on and on about how talking about all your terrible things doesn't make you a victim it just makes you real and Mm -hmm. raw and you know, if you become shackled to these yeah. terrible things and you're actually silent, yeah. you're more of a victim than if you just right. go out and state your experience. And then I also think people know, like, I know that again, like we have so many blessings and I might be in a picture and like a ball gown with like glam, mm-hmm. but I also want people to know like this was hard work through this, this, and this. And like, if you're going through this, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. That's why I always say like shame right. to sparkle and like, there yeah. are so many people I talk to that have, you would never even know the stuff they're fighting with. And I'm like, come share this. And they're just not ready, which I also respect too. Like mm-hmm. if you're not ready to share something, then you're certainly not going to do yourself a service. Right. But I just think it's a fun realm. and It is. It's it's fun. You and know, you never know who you'll talk to or meet or what you'll learn. Like I love personally listening to podcasts because mm-hmm. it's so fast. It's like yeah. 30 minutes and I can like write down what I'm learning and compare it. And yeah. it's not as bad for your brain than like scrolling TikTok and... Oh yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't gotten into TikTok yet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I wanna talk a little bit about your foundation. Um, you know, who, how can people help your foundation? I, wa- I wanna bring more awareness to that mm-hmm. and how, how can just other people help and contribute to that? Because so I know, I know you're you helping so up. many women out there. Yeah. So, um, again, I think I just realized, like, I do a lot of, um, philanthropic work Mm -hmm. with JDRF and CASA and, um, a few other groups. And I always am talking to everyone about trauma. And I was Mm -hmm. like, there's not a lot of resources in Orange County or LA for like trauma advocacy when I meet people through, you know, court and stuff. So I just started looking into it and I, really wanted to make it happen but I didn't necessarily know how like Mm -hmm. it's like how do you what do you do how do you how do you do that yeah file for it but like yeah um so now I have a great team and we are our sole focus now is again PTSD and helping people with that being their main hurdle um it's not like a wounded warrior project or something for veterans just mostly what I'm trying to like implement is the normalization of even resources for knowledge and availability to the proper care when it comes to mm-hmm. things like PTSD and CPTSD. Yeah. Um, it's, again, like, it's a really hard road when you're struggling and you don't even know why or how to articulate it. So we have teamed up with a few of the great doctors that I was so blessed to see mm-hmm. and to make things, like, 
scanning your brain or going in and doing, you know, a ketamine, of course, if you're in a space where that's something that you want to do and finding resources at um, discounted rates. And, you know, ultimately we'll be covering the rates for people that we are uh, connecting with mm-hmm. to go seek out a few sessions of EMDR to go have, you know, availability and ultimately physicians, even if you do need medication, right. because of course, if you're fighting an uphill battle and you do need a medication, I'm never, there's no judgment here. I had medication for years, right. but just finding, you know, the why and kind of putting together all the puzzle pieces of how we can help more people because it is another, I know we have so many, like the epidemic, but it is another, right. you know, um, being unwell is like a thing that a lot of people struggle with silently. And I think normalizing that so many people are unwell makes you feel less alone and also like provides more access to resources and like even me posting like hi you guys I'm high on ketamine today like (laughs) I helped though like 20 people went and did it and I don't have like a partner I'm not an influencer I've never done a partner thing in Mm -hmm. my life but um and they're messaging me how much it's helped them and they would have never known so I even think those conversations and again like I always say like yeah. It's not like reinventing the wheel. It's just learning more knowledge on something that we talk about all the time, but we don't really talk about, or all these terms are so normalized, but right. we don't really, you know, like when people say like, oh, I was with a narcissist. If you really were with a narcissist, it actually changes the chemistry of your brain. Mm-hmm. Like that's something you need to, mm-hmm. to deal with. It's not like you just go out for drinks with friends and you like complain. It's actually like, you're going to have like right neurodivergency as a result derived from this and I think that like we don't all necessarily know that like it's not right to be treated bad and then just go on yeah and of course if you have the will and the mindset yeah you can I don't, I'm not saying everyone's a victim but it's okay to have resources and you know to seek mm-hmm. out advocacy especially if you don't know how so I really want it to just be a space where, you know, ultimately we just launched it. So yeah, it's like trial and error right now. Right. Like, oh my gosh, I've already screwed up so many things. Uh, well, you know, that's, and it's that's like how so humbling. Um, but I think even resources is a huge blessing for so many people. Yeah. And I think it's incredible that you're doing that. Thank Bravo. you. That's so nice. Yeah. Um, and um, I would love to help out the foundation as well. So Thank you can you. hit me up. <laughs> I will. I need all the help I can get. I think you're doing incredible things. Um, well, I can talk to you forever and ever. Seriously, I feel like we need to bring you on again we'll and see. do another we'll <laughs> another episode. Um, but I'm so happy that you came on and um, really it was a joy meeting you and talking to you. You're so easy to talk to, by the way. And um, you guys check out her podcast. So I'm so excited for your podcast and congratulations on that as well. Um, Shame to sparkle and um, I'm excited for all the good things to come for your foundation too. So, um, and I'll be there to support whatever you need. you. You can always I'm here. So such a pleasure. Thank you for coming down. And I'll probably run into you tonight. Yeah, we're going to go out. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for that having me. That was great. Thank you. Bye.